welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We are in what I would say is a mini-series on family and um I, I took one week away because I wanted to do the sermon, All Eyes on Jerusalem, and I'm so glad that we did that sermon. And um, then I just chewed up into the time with the offering time that I just did there. And I have no one to blame but myself, but I followed the prompt. And I already felt like I had too long of a sermon, so we'll try to figure out how we're gonna edit this on the fly, or else you need to get comfortable. Uh, traffic jam at all the other campuses. All right, let's do this. Um, I thought Ted Cunningham did an amazing job last week. I thought Ted was incredible. So much there, uh, the accelerating the childhood milestones and then delaying the adult milestones, um, moving from control to influence, the, the family constitution, take all that, take all that, watch it again. Now, some might say, I'm not married and you're doing a family series, parenting and all that. Can I just say, uh, with every sermon, whether it hits you right where you're living or it's just something you need to be aware of. See, we're hoping that you'll be a repeater of the things that you hear, that God will allow you to share that. We're also uh, letting you have this as a reference and something so that you can say, oh, oh, I, I, I heard something about that. And you can use that to, to share your faith. You can also defend uh, because you'll know why we believe what we believe about family. And then also um, I'm praying for those that you're like not married or you don't have a family yet, you're trying to figure this out, um, that you could be redirected from your upbringing. Like some had terrible upbringing. And so when you hear this, you're like, wait a minute, that's what it's supposed to be like? I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that's what God's word said. And so it's, a, it's an ability for you to have that redirect and to be able to uh, move forward. Now, according to Pew Research, they said people's experience in their own family weighed more heavily on them than anything else. Like 68% said like, what I think about family really is weighed down by what my own family did. And then they said the next influence on that was their religious views, and then the next influence on that was how their friends or people around them lived it differently. So the number one thing was their own family. And so I'm saying, if your own family upbringing was good, by all means, build on it. But if it was bad, let's, let's get rid of that and let's see what the Bible has to say about family. Now, as I've um, looked at family, I just realized it is under attack. Right now, the, uh, the family is under attack, and, and it's been going on for years and years and years, and it seems like every generation says, the family's under attack, the family's under attack, and it just feels like, you know, old people say the family's under attack, and I'm saying it now, so I'm feeling old, you know, like the family is under attack, but it has. And um, the Pew Research article that I referenced said this, the public has mixed views on the modern American family. And people are now bragging, like, we're not married, you know, and people are living together more than ever. People are bragging, no kids. We don't have any kids. And people are saying our fulfillment in life is coming from other things. And 71% of the people that they surveyed said, our fulfillment comes from having a great job. I got news for you, your job is important, but really that shouldn't be your big fulfillment in life. I remember being at my dad's retirement ceremony and they gave him, a, you know, the customary gold watch and they're like, see you later, Bob, there you go. And somebody moved into his desk and after that, I was like, 
That's just not fulfilling enough right there, you know? I was so thankful that he had raised a godly family, that he had uh, invested in the church, that he had other things to say other than that. But the world is saying like it's family or it's, it's job fulfillment, having friends is more important. And they said children is only 23%, being married 21%. People say that family is a socially constructed idea and they decided that because of social, economic, political, psychological, and religious differences like Family is just something that we get to define. It's a social construct, but it's not. That's just postmodern thinking. It's not. It's something that God created. God created. And the truth is that family is not a social construct. It's, it's something that God created along with the church and along with government. This is a God-ordained thing. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. God's like, I'm establishing the family. This is what's gonna happen. The, the husband and the wife are gonna come together, become one flesh, and they're going to be the family. And the family is honored throughout the Bible. It's revered all throughout the Old Testament. Jesus affirms the family. Uh, he, he talks about that uh, that we should be faithful in marriage, that children should honor their parents. So he's speaking about family. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who wrote so much of the New Testament, he's encouraging people to marry. He's encouraging them to start families. He's giving encouragement on uh, the role of the husband, the role of the wife, how the children should be. Incidentally, the one thing that's told to husbands is to love your wife. It's the one, like, the one thing, husband, love your wife and, and husbands, like right there, you should just be like, if that's the one thing in the New Testament that tells you to do, you should be focused on that. Love your wife. Got an amen over there. He scored points right there. He just scored points. All right. Rest of you missed it. That was like right there. You could have just smacked that. Amen. I'm an expert. All right. The traditional family is part of God's design. And I say traditional and some would say nuclear, but... Um, when you start to look up, how many know, like, you start looking up words today online and you find that they've been redefined. And you're like, I think that's different. When I grew up, that was a different word. That meant something different. Like, I, I, I bought an old dictionary, one that's like a foot thick, so I can go back and be like, what did that word used to mean, you know? And I'm like, there it is, all right, you know? But really, the design of the traditional family, a father and a mother being married, with children, living in the same household. And if you will, the Bible even supports like the extended family leaning into this and being part of this process. But really, it's the father and mother married with children in the same household. It's part of God's design. And he gives instructions beyond that. He says like, here's how we're gonna do this with single parents. We understand that is happening. And he says, here's what you're gonna do. And here's how the church is gonna step in. God shows how to take care of widows and orphans, and, and, and he even uses the family as a living illustration of how much Christ loves the church. So you can see why the, the family is under attack today. There's so much to this. God designed it. He created it. It's his thing. He ordained it. And so you can see why it's under attack. And when we did the series Too Far From The Farm, and I talked about as we got away from the farm, we saw that people got away from the farm, and then we saw that people got away from the church. 
That was in the 30s where that started. And then in the 50s through the 70s, people got away from the church and then we started to see greater disintegration of the family. And now we're trying to define anything as a family because of social norms and the sexual revolution, uh, all that's going on. We're just defining anything goes as a family and it's tearing it down. But you gotta understand the family and the church are like together. Author, um, Mary Eberstead said, religion and family are in a double helix, okay? If you don't know what that is, go ahead, put it up on the screen. It's part of DNA, you'll see the double helix. And she's saying like those two strands are interwoven. It's, it's, it's family and the church and they're interwoven and there's connectors that just can't be broken. And she's saying these things are together and it's, it's, it's right there and it's, there's an unavoidable connection. And she said, Family illiteracy breeds religious illiteracy. So we're tearing down the family. You think like, I've been watching the world as they tear down different things in society and I'm watching them tear down the family and I'm like, thank God they're not tearing down the church. But no, they're tearing down the church by tearing down the family because the family and the church are connected. Even so, like they're tearing down the church, even just... Speaker of the house the other day, he's like, yeah, I believe in God and I'm gonna pray every day. They're like, who is this crazy man with these beliefs? He's just like the founding fathers, as far as I could tell. All right, you know. But it, it, they're tearing it down. It's like they're together. The family and the church, it's like this double helix and they're together and they rise together or they fall together. The family is more than a societal institution. It's the productive component necessary for the church and society. That's what's happening. So we've gotta have strong families. We need strong families because strong families bring, bring strong churches out. Strong families, strong churches, they're connected. Theologian Alistair Roberts said that these healthy families is what gives the church the capacity to function as an extended family. All right, for the longest time I avoided calling the church family because there were so many dysfunctional families and people were coming to church and I was like, welcome to the church family. And they're like, ugh, <laughs> not a good analogy. You know, you got like club might be better, social group, gathering of strangers, you know, anything. You know, and I'm like, really? I'm all surprised as we come into the holiday season, we get ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas. How many people are like, pray for me, pray for me, I'm going to see family. <laughs> Fasting, you know. Uh, See, we call the church family. Again, they're connected. Church and family, double helix, but we actually call the church the family. And in John chapter one, verses 12 and 13, it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. See, we're in the family. Look around right now. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you're like, really? Come on, it's a lot like family. <laughs> the church is the family of God in a world of dysfunctional families. And we are the family of God. And G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton said this. He said, the power of the family lies in the fact that the members of the family don't choose each other. We're forced to deal with the people we're put with. The power of the family is the fact that you're forced there. You don't quit them. You don't walk away. Like you're in this together. 
And the strength of a church is that we get to love each other. And you know why the Bible so often says, like, love one another, love one another, love one another? Because the church is a whole bunch of people from all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities, all different socioeconomic. I mean, it's all, and God's like, I'm bringing you all together, and I'm making you the family. These are your brothers and sisters. Now love your brothers and sisters. Get along with them. And Jesus even said in John 17, like, the world will know that God sent me, that the Father sent me, because you love one another. It's like we're all in this together as family, and we're forced to deal with the people that we've been put with. When I was young, I had three younger brothers, and still have three younger brothers, but I had three younger brothers, and we'd all <laughs> rotate. Yeah, I still do, you know. I had three younger brothers and my parents would do this and they'd give us a roommate for about six months until we got tired of them and then they'd rotate brothers and rotate, rotate. It was like rotating the crops, you know, and keeping us from hating each other. But, uh, you know, it was like, it was good wisdom. It was like, come on, you guys, you gotta love one another. And, and I'll never forget this. Um, I was fighting with my brother, Rick, and we just couldn't stop fighting. We just were always fighting, 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 fighting. And finally, my dad did this. And by the way, this is old school parenting. I don't know if it fly today in today's day and age. He goes, listen, you guys are fighting so much. Here's what I want you to do. Go in the backyard, duke it out, and only one of you come back in. <laughs> That's not going to fly today. <laughs> but I was like, but dad, like, we're brothers. And he's like, exactly. That's my point. Now stop your fighting. Get along with your brother. Love your brother, all right? The church and the family, like we're in, like you are to love one another. We are to be in this with each other, and it's a beautiful thing. So let's get the, the family right, because church and family share the same divine calling and function, and we need to love our church family. We need to love our natural family, and I know some people are like, right now, you're like, no, no, you don't understand my family. I get it. There are boundaries that you have to put up with toxic, I get it. I get it, and I do acknowledge, and I will say this. If you want prayer for Thanksgiving coming up and Christmas, seriously, we will pray. The prayer teams would be honored to pray with you at every camp. We take that very serious. I look forward to the fact that I get together with family. I look forward to that. I can't wait to get together with family, but I know that's not the case for many of you. So we would pray for you. But as I have the remainder of this time, I wanna talk about how to be a standout family. We need to be standout families. And I know this is written to individuals, but I want to use it in a family context. Philippians 2, 14 and 15, it says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. I want you to shine like a standout family that shines out bright, like the world is looking at you and it's, it's dark, it's crooked, it's perverse, it's... It's, it's redefining things. And you're gonna shine, you're gonna stand out so much so that they're almost gonna be like, are you, guys, are you guys a Christian family? Are you guys a Christian family? Our youngest son, Logan, and his wife, Mac, when they go out, like, they look like they're 18. I mean, him and her together, they look like they're 18. They still get stopped going into the Mall of America on Friday nights, like, you gotta be 16, you know. All right, but they've been married for like six years, okay? And when they tell people like, you know, we've been married for six years, they're like, oh, and they're like, you two must be Christians. Like to get married that young, that stands out in a world that doesn't do that. I want us to stand out that when people see the way we live, 
that they're like, you're a standout family in a dark world. You're a family that's really living what, what God wants you to do. Take everything that Ted said last week. I could just replay that, so much of that, but I wanna add to it some things that are standout families. Standout families possess a vision. They have like a vision of what they wanna be, what they wanna do, what they wanna become, how they'll live it out. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, the people perish. I, I wanna say this, I wish we would have had a family vision when we were growing, when we were raising our kids. I was late to the game on this. I didn't get a, a, a life vision for my own life until about eight years ago. I did a work away thing for two years. I, I was like, I got this whole thing as an adventure with Laura, I exist. I mean, I got it. I got a, a, a vision statement. I'm like, but I'd say build on that. Build on what you're hearing now. And I, I would say to my own kids, even though we didn't have one in our family, have one for your family. Connor and Alexi, Logan and Mac, do something, have a vision statement. Like, here's how we're going to live. Here's what we're going to do, which would be tied to the second thing. Uh, a standout family lives on mission. I mean, really, our mission is to glorify God, but our mission is as well as to fulfill the Great Commission. I really believe that. You live on mission as a standout family and you live differently. And people will say, well, you got up early and you went to church and you give your money differently and you went on a global team and you go to small groups and you're living on mission because you really wanna live out Matthew 28 and I'll read it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We're to be a, a standout family living on mission as an example to the world, glorifying God. We're not gonna live a normal life. And I can tell you this, that I shared with our kids, my wife and I, Beck and I, we would share with our kids, like we're on mission for God. Things are gonna be a little different. And it just happens with growing this church and pioneering. You gotta remember, the church was really small when my kids were small. And I was like, we're growing, we're trying, we're doing all this, and, and many times things came on me. I remember one time, um, one summer, I did 10 weddings. I did all the, I officiated all the weddings. I did all the pre-marriage counseling, six sessions with each couple and the rehearsal. And my kids at the end of the summer were like, we hate weddings. <laughs> and I was like, oh my. And then praise God for marriage mentors. Praise God that I gave that away. And now my kids, are, they love weddings. All right, yeah. But I was like, we're on mission. We're on mission. Guys, that, and I, I remember sitting down and saying, hey, you're signing up for sports. We love that you're in sports, but it's not all about sports, all right? We're gonna be at 70% of your things. There are gonna be times where ministry, because we're on mission for God. That's the way, we're gonna live different. We're gonna be a standout family. We're gonna live on mission. We're gonna be at 70%. We'll be at the important things. We'll be at the championships and all that. Um, and I remember Connor was in a, a select choir group at Lakeville North, and I was like, we're gonna be at the senior thing. And I was there and I, I skipped Saturday night church and left, a, did a video for the church. I was like, sorry guys, I'm not preaching tonight, but I'm being dad. And I shouldn't have apologized. Like we were gonna be a standout family, but we're on mission and our kids understood like about 70% is what we're gonna be at because there's gonna be times when church and missions trips and small group and different things are gonna be more priority than your sporting event. We're gonna live on mission and we're gonna go on missions trips on the global teams. And when they were 13, I... Lady, Beck and I let each of our boys pray over where they wanted to go from the list of places that we could go as a church. And they prayed and said, this is where we wanna go. We were on mission. That's a standout family. A standout family establishes spiritual disciplines and traditions. 
Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. There are spiritual disciplines and traditions that you need to have to be a standout family. I've talked about it again, church, uh, devotions, prayer, generosity. In the Habits of the Household by Justin Early, he says, we don't often think about habits and heart being so interconnected, but they are. To steward the habits of your family is to steward the hearts of your family. I wanna have great habits. I mean, if you were to talk to our, our kids, they would say, oh yeah, we had dinner devotions. You know, we, and it was short, by the way, it was short. It was family devotion, it was like three minutes. They were kids. I didn't try to give them the whole Bible in one setting, it was just, Three minutes. Matter of fact, it was so ingrained tradition that we went to church. We went to church. We did family devotions. We did evening prayer. If we ever missed any of that, they would remind us. But the first time we took the kids to Disney World, we took the kids to Disney, we went on vacation. I'm pastoring River Valley. We go on vacation and we're going to Disney on Sunday. We went on Sunday, we're on vacation, all right? We got a limited amount of days to get there, so we're going on Sunday, and we're at breakfast, and we're getting ready to go to Disney, and this is what Connor prayed. God, as we get ready to go to Disney, please forgive us, we've never missed church before. That's what he prayed. <laughs> I was like, am I a bad parent? Like, Connor's scolding me, all right. Uh, <clears throat> hey, there was a tradition that was there, the tradition of generosity. I'm watching that our, the, the habits of the household, these disciplines, these traditions, I'm watching Connor and Alexia and Logan and Mac give to kingdom builders at levels that I never dreamt of doing at their age. Why? Because they were raised in it. There's a habit and a tradition. They're gonna be a standout family. A standout family, number four, lives countercultural in holiness. We're gonna live countercultural in holiness. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's something about a transformation of being holy and being courageous to say, that's not the way we do it in our household. We don't live that way. I know our kids will say, well, what about this? Like, nope, that's not the way we live it, not in our house. We're gonna stand out and be countercultural and live a life of holiness. We're gonna stand out and be a standout family. I think about, again, how times have changed. I remember when I grew up, they just launched HBO. I remember that, that's how old I am. And you had to have that round satellite dish on your roof. And my friends, they had it. I was like, Mom, Dad, can we have HBO? They said, not in this house. Mm-mm, we don't walk it that way. Uh-uh, mm-mm. Turn off Three's Company, too. That's off, out, you know, jerk. Not in this house. And I think about how far we've gone from that to what's on people's phones. A standout family says, we're gonna live countercultural. We're gonna live differently and, and, and we're gonna take the responsibility of saying, no, you can't wear that. Nope, that's not the way. Nope, you're not wearing that. You're not, nope, you're not doing that. No, you're not gonna live that. Nope, you're not gonna listen to that. I mean, it, that's just the way I was raised and the way we raised our kids. We said, we're gonna live countercultural. Anytime we would sneak something into the house as kids, my, if my mom would find it, which she was like discernment. She like walked around like, mm. <laughs> Oh, there's a little ACDC in this drawer, you know. I see, like, 
I was like, how'd she know? You know? And you'd come home and that, that cassette, how many remember cassettes? Not in this house. People say, should I force my kids to go to church? I, I told our kids, hey, if you're in this house, you're going to church while you live in this house, that you're going to church. And you say, well, what if they're rebellious? Well, I'm just praying God will get a hold of them while they're in proximity to this. They're gonna live countercultural. All right, number five, they're gonna establish and maintain a spiritual legacy. Ted read Deuteronomy 6, five through seven. Um, he talked about that. I love that he did that. I love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength. These commandments that I give you today to be on your hearts. Press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. I also love Acts 10.2. It's about Cornelius. There's a spiritual legacy that is alluded to about Cornelius. It says he and his family were devout and God-fearing. I love that. We know a lot about Cornelius. He's like, I'm hungry for the things of God, but it's like he and his family, there was a legacy. You see the apostle Paul talking to Timothy. He's like, you know, the faith that was in your mom and in your grandma, there's a legacy. There's something about maintaining and, and praying for and just saying, God, I want a spiritual legacy in our family. If you could see in my journal from last year and this year, the moment that we found out that Connor and Alexia were expecting, I started praying for our future grandchild. And if you look through there, it was like, I pray they'd be born healthy or he or she'd be born healthy. And then when I knew his name, I prayed for Beckham. And then I have in my journal, the very first day I said, God, I pray that Beckham would know you as Lord and Savior. I pray. And if you were to look into my journal today, you would see almost every single day, God, I pray that Beckham would know you as Lord and Savior. You know what I realized? I've never once prayed for how much he'd earn. I've never once prayed for his grades. I've never once prayed for his athletic accomplishments. Not once. But if you were to look in my journal, it would say, God, I pray that he would know you at an early age. And then I pray for any grandchildren that we would have. May they all know you. May there be a legacy of faith. May, may the heaven that we're gonna enter, may we enter it with our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. There's a legacy there. Last thing, and by the way, there's so much more you could add to this, and maybe that's your homework. You can think about what else a standout family has um, as we get ready to wrap up here. A standout family keeps growing. They just keep growing. They're committed to the lifelong process of growing and transformation and spiritual maturity. They realize that they've been set apart and they don't stop growing. And I love what I call the and this and this and this verse. This is how I reference 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. It's like this and this and this. It's the and this and this and this verse. In 2 Peter, it says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness, knowledge, and to your knowledge, self-control, and your self-control, perseverance, and to your perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. It's like, add this, add this, add this. And I like to look at that verse and say, God, I wanna keep adding things to my life, but I wanna keep adding things to our family and keep growing, and I have a responsibility to keep growing. And I would just challenge you, do you take it serious that you're parenting, that you're, like if you don't have kids, are you taking it serious that you're married and you're even like reading one book a year on marriage? Did you show up to marriage night? 
if you have kids, are you reading like one parenting book? Just, I, I wanna keep growing, I wanna keep adding. You wanna, or do, you, do you go to a small group with marriage or parenting and you say, I wanna keep growing. Like if the family and the church are like a double helix, like I wanna keep inve- investing in this. I wanna keep, keep growing in this. Have you ever found a mentor? Like when I got married, I was like, I need a mentor that will help me out. And then when I became a parent, I started asking people who are parents. And, and by the way, when I became a parent, my parents turned into geniuses. How many know what I'm talking about? And I was like, please help me out. They're kids, I don't know what to do, you know? And now that I've become a grandpa, you may not know this, but this year I've been looking for three different grandpa mentors. I wanna keep growing. I'm not gonna stop, I'm gonna keep adding to this. And just this last week, I was like, hey, hey, talk to me about how you did that with your kids. And I, I said, just, just give me 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Because I heard this guy had a great idea as a grandpa and I was like, awesome. And I'm always asked, I wanna keep growing. We keep growing, that's what a standout family does. You just say, I'm not done, we haven't arrived. I'm gonna keep growing and I'm gonna do all that I can to keep moving our family forward in Jesus' name. As the family gets strong, and the church gets strong, it's a double helix. They are connected. River Valley, let's take this serious. Let's take this serious. Let's invest in our families. Let's, let's do this. Let's be the godly standout families so that when people look at us, they're like, right, what? what's so different? What's so different? Wow. And we don't just say, well, our kids just have good manners. No, we tell them the reason why We're a standout family, and God gives us an opportunity to give him all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. A strong family, strong church, double helix. Let's believe for strong families. So God, I just pray right now for strong families, and I pray, God, that you would help us to do that. There's just so much to even pray about, and I I just say, God, let me start with the kids. God, I just pray that we would raise godly kids, that we would have the time for them, the investment in them. We would cherish those moments we'd raise godly children. God, I pray for marriages. I pray that we take it serious and we'd realize that that relationship being strong, it just it brings such security to the children. And so God, may husbands and wives invest in their marriage. God, I pray for those that are not yet married. May they uh, just trust you in this. May they position themselves so when that day would come, if it's your will, Lord, that they would be ready for it. They'd be moving into that, ready to do what you've called them to do. God, I just thank you. Strong families, and I pray for that. I pray that we'd be able to put on the brakes. And I even think about it, like, is it possible to even put on the brakes right now with what's going on in society? And in my mind, I just get this picture, Lord, of like a a runaway truck ramp. When I've been driving through the mountains, I get this picture of like a runaway truck ramp. And when things are out of control, it's like, get off that and get into the sand and the gravel. And I just pray, God, that the runaway just craziness with family could just go into that ramp and slow down and we could see it reverse because families would say, we're gonna take this serious and the family would be stronger and the church would be stronger and runaway society would be arrested by the things of like the things of God and say, we're slowing down. We took the exit. We got off this craziness and we slowed down. We had a family that glorified you. So God, help us to have families that glorify you. May you strengthen the family and strengthen the church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.